Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you this morning. Come on, church, put your hands together. Give God some praise this morning. Man, I don't know about you, even though we've got a, just a, a small group of people here, we've got more people online, I, I feel encouraged this morning. Come on, I feel the presence of the Lord. It's amazing that as you begin to lift your hands up and begin to, to focus your heart on the things above instead of the things below, it's amazing how there can be just a shift and a transformation, isn't there? Come on, I don't know about you, but there have been times where I've just been struggling, Nancy. I struggle from time to time. And, and I'm telling you, one of the best ways that I can come out of that despair or that funk or whatever it is that, it, that I'm dealing with, one of the best ways is to begin to, to turn my head, to lift up my head and begin to just recognize how good God is, how good he's been to me, the promises that he's spoken over my life. Amen. And, and how many of you know that worship is a big thing with that? You know, this song right here that we were singing, it talked about, you know, I will not fear. Uh, you know, I, I won't be driven by, by fear. I won't be moved by fear. And maybe that's not you this morning. You know, maybe you're really struggling with, with even like you're singing the words, but you really are having a hard time, you know what I mean, believing in the very thing that you're singing. And can I just tell you something that I feel like the Lord would want you to know? Alignment boosts confidence. You know, it's possible. It's very possible. Listen to me just real quick. We're going to move on. But it's very possible that maybe you're not confident right now. You know what I mean? Maybe you're shaken and maybe you're just kind of wondering. You're, you know, you feel off kilter, a little bit out of balance and, and you're wondering and maybe stressed out and maybe it's even, you know, dipped into a bit of depression. And I'm just telling you this, that alignment, it affects your confidence. And so it's very possible that maybe you're just out of alignment, come on, with the things of God. You know what I mean? You're out of step with him. And I've been there. And I know you've been there. And maybe you're even there right now. And I'm just saying the greatest thing that you can do is just realign. You know, maybe just make a, make a, a new commitment, God. You know, you know, you know, like right now, Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And you know where you've gotten out of alignment. And what do you do whenever your, your car's out of alignment? You go get it realigned, Right. If you don't, it's going to cause more issues and more problems. And I'm just telling you that that's what the Lord is calling us to today. There's a lot of noise in the world. There's a lot of things that, that are a distraction. And I'm just saying that those things can cause us to, you know, to become out of alignment, to deal with, you know, with other issues. And I'm just saying the Lord is saying Come on, it's time to get your life in order. It's time to get your house in order. Because I don't know if you sense it, but I sense it. God is doing something significant in the world today. And, and, and some people, you know, they, their approach might be, man, I, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Come on, I'm telling you, you are ready for this for, for such a time 
as, as we are living right now, God has intentionally positioned you in this time, amen, because he needs you and he's called you by name and he's positioned you right where you are. Come on to, you know, to be part of the solution and to, and to lift up your eyes and serve the Lord, even amongst all of the chaos and all of the division and all of the craziness that our world is, is, is dealing with. You know that our, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a real strain and a struggle in our world today. Come on, can you sense it? Come on, if you can't sense it, I'm just going to tell you, wake up because you're not paying attention. There's a lot of crazy things going on right now today. But I want to remind you that Jesus loves you, Jesus is in control, and Jesus wins every time. Ten times out of ten, he wins. And so guess what? If you're in him, that means you win too. The idea, though, is, is to be ready, to be prepared, to be strong. Come on, to be a light in the darkness. The darkness is getting darker. Come on, that means your light is brighter. Amen? To be salt. Come on, to change the atmosphere, to to be a, 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 a change, a, a, an agent of change. Amen. Come on. We are positioned and called for this time. Get ready, church. Amen. Get started. How many of you are ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. It is, it's really cool to be back in the house of the Lord today. Last week, as many of you know, Hopefully you tuned in last week. How many of you tuned in to our church service from my kitchen table? That was my kitchen table. And, um, and I'm telling you, I love my kitchen table. And, um, and I think it was appropriate because that's where I eat. And we, we were able to consume the word of the Lord from that place. Right? You like that? I just made that up just right now. Makes sense. And, uh, it, you know, as much as I enjoyed that, I so much more enjoy being in this place. Come on with you all seeing your faces. I want you to know that I love you. I absolutely love you. And sometimes you don't even realize how much or how important somebody is until, until you're not able, you know, to spend as much time with them as you're used to, as you're used to spending, right? How many of you ever taken something for granted, right? I have, uh, probably far too often. And, um, and, and anyway, let's, let's, let's not do that anymore. Let's not take each other for granted. But let's do a better job of loving and serving one another. Amen? How many of you know that we're better together? Some of us do. How many of you know that we're better together? All right. More of us do. Awesome. That sounded like a full house this morning. That was awesome. Good job. Um, I'm excited about today's message. I'm going to dive right in because I've got a lot of ground to cover here. I want you to turn your Bibles. Please, let's start bringing our Bibles to church with us. I know that we've got, we've got the words on the screen, but bring your Bibles and your notebooks. Come on. We, you know, we're, we're, we're fixing to go into battle. We're in battle, actually. And so let's put a battle plan together. Write some things down. Take some notes. Write, your, you know, write in your Bible. Some people are like, no, that's sacred, man. If you saw some of my Bibles, they're just all highlighted and, and some notes and, and some different things. And I encourage you. You know what? Go ahead and go ahead and, and 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 write in your Bible if you feel comfortable. But certainly take notes. We're going to be looking at First Samuel chapter fifteen, and verse seventeen is where we're going to start today. I'm going to set this up. This deals with King Saul. Actually, it deals with Saul before he was a king. But King Saul was the first king of Israel. Come on, he was the first king 
um, the, the people were crying for a king, and so God gave them what they desired. And one of the first things that he was called to do was to destroy an entire people group called the Amalekites. And, um, and, and King Saul, you know, he did things like we often do. He, 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 he took a portion of what God said, and then he, he also mingled with what he thought that God said with what his own, own opinions were about the subject instead of just fully and completely you know, being obedient to what God said, he thought that, you know, that, that, that he needed to help God. Anybody ever think that you needed to help God, that he didn't have the, you know, he didn't have the whole understanding and that somehow, some way you were just going to add to it and it was going to be better? Well, you know, King Saul did this. And of course, that, you know, that that wasn't the best way. God's way is always the best way. And so he kept kept the king of the Amalekites alive and then also, you know, saved the, the finest of the livestock that was, you know, that was available. And, and so uh, King Saul had a friend uh, that became kind of a friend, and, and, uh, and, and it was the prophet of God, the man of God, Samuel. And the prophet of God came to Saul, and he rebuked him. Come on, he, he, he rebuked him, he, he corrected him, because he was disobedient to the word of the Lord. You know what happens today when a friend rebukes you or corrects you? You're not friends any longer. And I'm just telling you this. If you've got one friend that will call you out on garbage because they love you, then you've got a good friend in the Lord. Amen? And, 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 and we, we live in a country and in a, a time where we're more afraid of damaging the relationship than we are saving the person come on from, from destruction, you know, by just saying, hey, listen, you're better than, than, than how you're acting. And, and, and I kind of sense what's going on and, and, um, and, and you need to come out from that place and, and, uh, and, and just realign and refocus with the Lord. Amen. Come on, that's a good word. We can all go home now and, and feel like we've gotten something today and, and we're going to be better because of it. But we got a whole lot more to go, so let's go. So um, verse 17, uh, 1 Samuel 15 and verse 17, this is what the word of the Lord says. It says, Samuel said to Saul, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely, somebody say completely, say it again, completely, go and completely destroy the wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them all out. Why did you not obey the Lord, why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And then Saul responds. Come on, he's like, I got to say something. He responds, and this is what Saul said. He said, but I did obey the Lord. He said, I went out on the mission that the Lord assigned me to, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites, and I brought back King Agag, which is a complete contradiction. He's like, I totally wiped them out, but I brought back King Agag. Come on, he's trying, to, he's trying to get out from underneath the rebuke and the correction. The soldiers of mine, they took the sheep and the cattle from the plunder and the best 
of what we have devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. See, I don't think that was the case either, but he's, he's shifty. He's, he's, trying to, he's trying to make sense of why he wasn't completely obedient. Come on to what the Lord called him to do. But Samuel, the man of God, replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? And this is the scripture that you hear Christians quote all of the time to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams for rebellion. And this is exactly what he did by not fully come on submitting and carrying out the the call that God had carried him out for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of adult uh, of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned and I violated the Lord's command in your instructions. He said, I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Come on, I'm telling you what, this, this word here is a little bit of Old Testament reality. You know, sometimes I, I look at the Old Testament and I see some of the mistakes that people make, and it's like it almost seems like a one and done. It's like, dude, you, you messed up, and now you're, you're finished. And, and I'm telling you what, this is some Old Testament reality here. The title of my message this morning is simple. It's this, allow history to shape your future. Or you could say, allow history to shape your destiny. Allow, allow what's happened in the past, come on, to change your future. Come on, somebody, that's pretty good, right? We need to be observant. We need to remember. We need to, we need to look, and not only at our own lives, but, but look at the lives of others. Come on, have you ever found yourself in a possible fight situation? First of all, let me just identify, and you don't have to put up your hand because, you know, it's the cool thing to do, but, but in situations, there's two people, there's two categories. There's those people that are fighters, and there's those people that are, that, that, that are flighters. I mean, they'll, they'll try to get away from the situation. Let me just ask you just real quick, how many fighters, true fighters are here? Like you're, you're faced off with something and you're just like, listen, you're going to bow up. And it's like, listen, let's go, you know. And so, so there's those two types of people. I'm telling you what, I, I, my nature was, it, it, it's a fighter. And, um, and I'm telling you, when I gave my heart to the Lord, man, this is one of the big things that sometimes I even still struggle with today. I get so irritated seeing some of the stuff on television, and in my mind, I'm going back to the old Travis, the old I tell you what needs to happen. There needs to be some people gathering together and put some stop to this crazy nonsense. Right. And that's not there's some there's conflict with with inside of me, because as a Christian, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Old things have passed and behold, all things are becoming are becoming new. And so I deal with this conflict. I'm like, listen, you know, I've been put in situations in my Christian walk, especially in my early Christian walk, like I'm reading my Bible and I'm doing my devotions and I'm praying and I'm just trying to really become more like the Lord and I'm just I'm I'm diligent and then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? I'm just driving down the road and then somebody drives past me waving at me with one finger for some reason why I have no idea and there's something that's immediately right there. I'm just like, you don't even know who you're messing with. 
You know, and, and now I'm in conflict because who is this guy? He doesn't even know. He thinks I'm just some Joe, and, and he's, he's, he, but then the, the, the Lord is like, you know what I mean? The, the Bible says turn the other cheek, and he hasn't even slapped you on the face yet. And, and so there's this, there's this conflict, come on, of who God is creating you to be, and it's wrestling with who you used to be. Come on, the natural, you know, you, the sinful broken you and and there's this there's this conflict and so that's a picture of our nation today i really believe it i believe that so many people are conflicted because they're they're trying to fight physically a battle that is spiritual in nature you you know what i mean there's so much division so much hatred so much anger and what even the church and what even i forget from time to time this message is for me even if it's not for anybody else what we forget from time to time is what we're dealing with is more a spiritual issue than it ever will be a physical issue all of the all of the things that we're experiencing it's amazing that god come on he even he even speaks about some of these things happening in our Bible. Amen? And so, so your neighbor is not your enemy. Like, like your neighbor that's got the Joe Biden sign, you know, on his, on his front lawn is not your enemy. Come on, the president is not your enemy, even though you may think that he's the worst guy for the job. You see, I did both sides there. You, you know what I mean? I'm a good pastor this morning. I did both sides there. Even if you don't believe in what it is that he's doing or his philosophies or, or those things, he is not your enemy. I'm telling you, there's an unseen battle, and you need to understand that to fight this properly, come on, to, to win this battle properly, you got to realize that it's spiritual in nature before it's physical in nature, right? You can't fight things that are spiritually, physically. You'll lose every time. And I believe that that's what the, the, the devil's trying to do here. So we're in this series called Geared Up. This is a, a, a series that challenges us not to be passive, not to be apathetic, but to be ready, come on, to be geared up, to have the, the tools that, that God has given us, and, and, and to not only have those tools, we were talking before the service today that you could have a sidearm on you every, everywhere you go. But that sidearm, if you're not, if you don't have wisdom, and if you're just trying to be puffed up and just, yeah, yeah man, I pack everywhere I go, like that sidearm could cause you more danger and damage by having it. You don't even know how to use it. Some tough guy comes along and he picks a fight with you because you're acting like you're something. You don't know how to use it. It can be damaging to your person. It can be damaging to your family. Come on, because you've got a right, you've got a good tool, but you, you, you're not using it properly. And even uh, mentally and emotionally, you're not handling it. You're not handling it properly. Come on, the Bible calls us to fight the good fight of faith. He's like, listen, don't be a wimp. Don't be a coward. You are called to fight, but you need to know the battle and the fight that you're in, and you need to fight according to that. Come on, you've got to have the right tools and have understanding. God doesn't just teach us what we ought to do, right? He also shows us what not to do. And this is why I love God's word, because not only can we look at our own past mistakes, not only can you look at the mistakes of others, but you can look to God's word and see a multitude of mistakes that were made. 
come on, he doesn't show us just, he, he doesn't tell us what not to do. He shows us what we ought to do by, come on, examples that are, that are in his word. Amen. So this is why another reason why it's very, very important that you are a student of the word of God. Come on, there's all kinds of examples to help you. How many of you have told your children because you made a bunch of mistakes just like I did? I've had this conversation with all my kids. Listen, man, you don't have to go through the hardships that I've gone through. In fact, you've seen some of the hardships because of stupidity that your dad has walked in. Look at what I have done and don't do those. My youngest boy, he is one of my, my youngest child is, is my son Jacob. He's the quiet one. But I can tell you this about Jacob. He is observant, man. He is always paying attention. And I'm telling you what, he's learned some things from his older siblings. And, and, and Jacob, you know what I mean? He's kind of the scary one because he's really observant and he's got great wisdom. And it's easy to think that, man, he's always on point. But he's just watched how his other siblings have done some things, and, and he's, he's picked up on some things. And so sometimes, you know, things might not be totally on point, but you're thinking that they are. Right? But he's always on point most of the time. So, uh, hey, Jacob, if you're watching, just a big shout out to you this morning. And so I'm telling you this, that God doesn't waste a moment. Maybe you were raised in a family. You know what I mean? Where it was a terrible family. Like, like you don't have to say it. I'm going to say it. Some people are given a family that's just absolutely terrible. You know what? You weren't raised right. There wasn't much, much time and attention, you know, given to you. You know, maybe you had a bad example as a, as a, as a, as a natural father. You know what I mean? I'm just saying it's a possibility. But this is what you've been doing. The whole time you were raised up, you were saying, man, when I have a family... I'm not going to be anything like that. And so, so God doesn't waste a moment. He gives you an experience, and now you're a thousand times the dad maybe that you, come on, grew up with. He doesn't waste a moment. Maybe you've served under a boss that's just terrible, a terrible boss, always micromanaging you, never trusting you, never, never allowing you to, to even use the gifts and the talents that you have to advance the company Come on, to, to help it with profitability. Come on, he's holding you back. And then all of a sudden, you know, through this, you're like, man, when I get promoted and I've got people that I'm going to lead, that's not going to be me because I've seen what a bad boss looks like. God doesn't waste a moment. You know, you're getting underpaid at your job and you're just like, man, everybody else that, that works at this company is making so much more money. I'm telling you what, God can make up the difference. God will use the situation. So listen, my, my challenge to you is stop cursing what God is using to bless you, even when you don't see that he's blessing you. Come on, he is developing you in and through situations and life experience. He is changing you. And I'm just telling you this, I look at my own life. When I was a little bit older, I, I began to, you know, talk to my mom. You know, I've got one older brother. His name's Rick. He's four years older. I was just like, yeah, you know, I was talking to her, you, only two kids. And she says, well, listen, let me tell you something. I had five missing, my, my own life started in difficulty and struggle. She said, Travis, I had five miscarriages trying to have you. 
And then when I had you, I had all kinds of issues and problems. They used to, I don't even think they do this anymore, but they had to take me out with a vacuum on my head, which it makes a lot of sense now. I, you know what I mean? I'm, I, a lot of things are adding up as to why I am the way that I am. I had some developmental issues with, you know, I couldn't hear for a period of time. I'd be sitting right by the phone, my mom would say, and the phone would ring, and I, I would hear something, and I would go and answer the door. You know, so, I mean, I had some issues, and then I had some issues that were brought on by myself. Like, I made a, bad, a lot of bad, bad decisions, and of course, with bad decisions, you know, you've got consequences, but let me tell you something. God didn't waste anything on me. He used it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to bring me, come on, to a place where I am today. And so stop trying to curse what it is that God's trying to use to bless you. Stop complaining about, about, about why you, come on, are, are so less you know, taken care of than the next guy. Come on, you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. But because of that, you've had some tenacity and you've learned how to grind some things out because you're going someplace, amen? And God is going to use, come on, even the difficult things in life to bring about some incredible things in your life. Come on, somebody. Is anybody here this morning? Kalia, you and me. But come on, let's, let's grab a hold. Listen, this isn't just a, this isn't a pregame warm-up. I'm telling you that for the season that we are in, we've got to change our mentality and our thinking because where your mind goes is where your life is going to go. And if you're always poor me and little me and man, I'm just, you know, then guess what? You're going to live a life that is exactly identical to the way that you're thinking. Everybody loves, come on, a good comeback story. Somebody going from zero to hero or somebody going from, from rags to riches, right? We love those stories. Man, yeah, there's a guy that I know. His name is Don Wixom. He was raised poorly. They didn't have anything. And, and he grew up all, all, He grew up in his life knowing that, you know, that he was going to be super, super wealthy and rich. And that's exactly the kind of life that he's living. He's a real estate agent. Come on, made a very good life. But the, the, the cause of wanting to have better and more was because he had nothing as a child. Right? And so we love a good comeback story from zero to hero. But what about the guy that was a hero and he became a zero? What about the guy that had all of the wealth and he became, you know, he, he, he became a pauper? Come on, I think about Moses. Come on, that the, the was really royalty. I think about the Apostle Paul that was, had the best seating, come on, in, in all of the places and how they denied some of those things, come on, to follow and pursue the, the will of God. And it was costly. It was costly financially, but it was rewarding every other, every other place. And guess what? They went through and their needs were met. I'm just telling you that Saul, too, the guy that we're speaking about here today, even before he was king, he started off amazingly. He was good looking. The Bible said that he was strong. He was a head, a whole head. He, he was a whole head taller than most of you know, his, his companions, most of you know, the people in, 
in, in the people group that he was involved with. And so his presence de- demanded attention. Have you ever met somebody like that? It's like, you know what, everything's normal. And then one person steps into the room and they demand attention. Come on, this is what uh, King Saul had. He had this attraction. He had this authority. He had this, you know, just this way that he carried himself and the way that he looked. Check this out. Before Saul was king. The Bible said that he was out looking for donkeys. And I was just thinking, that's real ancient problems. You know, we got first world problems. My phone won't connect to Wi-Fi. Those are first world problems. I'm going to lose my mind. And, uh, and, and, you know, this guy was dealing with, with ancient problems. He lost some donkeys. And so, They're out looking for his father's donkeys. And the servant that went with Saul, he said, listen, why don't we go to the prophet of God? There's a man of God, you know, in the city. Why don't we go to him and ask him, you know, maybe he can send us in the right direction so that we can find these donkeys. And so, you know, Saul's like, yeah, yeah, man, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And so on their way towards the city, they they pass by a woman and they stop her and they say, hey, listen, uh, by the way, do you know where? The man of God is the prophet. Uh, yeah, I believe his name's Samuel. And she said, yeah, yeah, he's in the city. If you head towards the city, you're bound to bump into him because he'll probably be on the way back. And so they're walking along. They're going to the city. And then all of a sudden they bump across the guy. And they're like, listen, we'll just ask this guy. We're at the edge of the city. Hey, man, do you know where the prophet of God is? He said, I am he. I'm the one that you're looking for. What can I, what can I do? And, and God had already spoke to, to Samuel that this, this encounter was going to happen. And, um, and, and, and so I think it's interesting that Saul, on a normal day, is looking for his donkeys that were lost and bumped into his destiny. And I'm just telling you this real quick. Like maybe God has spoken to you and he said, listen, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And every single way that you... that you, you know, look at it in your mind, in your mind, you're thinking it's impossibility. There's no way. How is God going to bring this thing into, into existence, into fruition? How is this going to happen? It doesn't make any sense in my mind. And I'm just telling you this, that God knows how to get you where you're supposed to be. Come on, so he can promote you. You don't have to worry about it. If he said he's going to do it, all you have to do is believe it and then wait for it to happen. And he might ask you to do some things, you know what I mean, along the way. But you worrying about how it's going to happen. Come on. This guy was just doing his normal deal, lost some donkeys. Come on. And bumps into his destiny. It's pretty powerful. And, uh, and I want you to know that God's a master orchestrator. So Saul's beginning here was incredible, right? Samuel, after he meets him and, uh, and, and they spend a little bit of time together, Samuel, he pulls out a flask. And he begins to anoint Saul, right? Now, there's never been a king in Israel. He anoints him. He pours this oil over his head. And he says, listen, I want you to know something that you're God's man. You are the man that God has called to be king. He said, listen, I want you to go home. And on your way home, you're going to run into some prophets, some fellow prophets. And they're going to start prophesying. And the spirit of the Lord, Saul, is going to come upon you. Come on, and you're going to start prophesying as well. And then when you get home, come on, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, Saul. And you are going to be changed in a moment's time. 
old things are going to be changed. You're not going to be the same person. Oh, yeah, and all, uh, by the way, Saul, everything that you put your hand to is going to be blessed. Come on, the favor of the Lord is going to be upon your life. Come on, what an incredible story. What an incredible thing to be said about one man. And so that's how his, the, you know, his, his, his walk with God started. But let's fast forward now. Let's fast forward just for, uh, you know, a, a, a few years. This is how his life ends. At the end of his life, his armor, come on, he was a warrior. His armor was stripped from him like a child. Come on, Saul was also beheaded. How can the same head that was anointed with oil by the man of God, his life end with his head being removed from his body? Right? Come on, he, he didn't die. Saul didn't die. King Saul didn't die from the enemy's sword. He died, come on, from his own sword. How in the world does that happen? Come on, how do you start out so well but yet end so badly? It's a powerful question, right? So it's the same today. Like, listen, some of you, you might be able to relate to this story. Like, you're not being, you're not being taken out by the you know, you know, by somebody else that's against you. You're not taken out by the devil. You know what I mean? We always like to blame the devil, the devil, but you're being taken out through self-destruction and self-sabotage. Come on, some of you can really relate to this. Like, like God is saying, listen, I want to elevate you and I'm going to do some incredible things, but where you come from and the family maybe that you belong to and what you've been taught maybe by some of the people when you were impressionable and the words that they spoke over you, you are in constant, uh, a constant fight against trusting that God is going to do what you know he can do. And so this is what a lot of people do is they self-sabotage. Nobody's out to get you, but you make it seem like they are. The one that's out to get you is you. Self-destruct. And it's the same thing that happened with, with Saul. Come on. The sword is the, is, the, is the word of God, right? But the sword can also be, it can also be pride. And I'm just telling you this, that, that Saul, King Saul, fell on the sword of pride before he, he fell on, on his physical sword. Come on, the sword of pride is the very thing, come on, that killed him before he was physically dead. Pride is a life that's self-satisfied. Come on, are you self-satisfied or, or does God give you the satisfaction? Come on, pride is this, a life that is self-governed. Pride is, a, is having a mind that is void of God. Take a look at Lucifer just real quick. Like Lucifer, don't you know that he was an angel? And, and he was an angel of worship. And so who took Lucifer out? Come on, did the enemy take him out? There was no enemy. He was the, he was the one that became the enemy. Come on, what, something happened within himself that caused him to desire, come on, to be worshipped instead of being the worshiper. He wanted to be worshipped. And I'm just telling you this, that we can fall into that same deal. And this is where we, where we get the, the scripture, pride comes before the what? The fall. Pride happens, and, and, and that comes from from you know, from, from Lucifer. And so pride is tricky. How many of you know that the church can be hard on people, come on, that have fallen to it? Oh, I just can't believe that, you know, so-and-so, boy, they're just not. So listen, we can be super tough on the people, right, that, that, that fall around us. But I'm telling you what, be, be careful. 
Because you might be dealing with something in the near future that you never thought that you would succumb to, that you would fall to. Amen? And so there might be a time where you're not on point as you usually are. And next thing you know, come on, you're getting messed with. And I'm just saying this, that we need to encourage our brothers and sisters. We need to bring them up out of that, 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 that state of, uh, of, of, of weakness, of uh, that, that fallen state, and bring them back up and, and come on, get them reestablished in the things of God again. Amen? I believe that the Lord's speaking maybe to somebody on your heart even right now that he's showing you, yeah, that's what you need to do. You need to call them and help them up. Come on, be a hand up. And um, turn to your neighbor and say, listen, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that's good news for some because some of us didn't start real well, but yet we can finish strong. Amen? All right, so number one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some things here. Number one, pride says partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. King Saul was given clear instructions to completely destroy the Amalekite um, uh, people, to take out a whole nation. And once again, he says, listen, I'll take God's command and I'll mix my own uh, thoughts in on the matter. And so he partially obeyed, right? Right? Don't we sometimes just partially obey? God says, listen, love people. And we're like, God, yeah, I'll love people. I'll love people that are just like me, act like me, think like me, vote like me, right? I, I have no problem loving those people. But God, come on. I mean, there's some people that are just, they're crazy, right? How am I? And he says, love people. And so we take God's command, we partially obey it, and, 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 and we feel like we're walking in complete obedience. And I'm just saying that's not the, not the case. God says, listen, you need to be planted in the house of the Lord. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And so we're like, listen, yeah, I go to church like two times out of, out of four. You know what I mean? I go. So he's saying, listen, plant and serve. And, and we're like, listen, I, I'm going to partially do that. I will sit and observe. I'll, I'll come and I'll sit and I'll observe. And we're like, yeah, man, listen, I'm, I belong to Grace Church. And, and, and yeah, this is my family. But, but there's no activity. Come on, there's no ministry. There, there's, no, there's no service. There's no community. It's like, listen, I go and then I leave. I go and then I leave. I, I'm like, go and then... And then I'm, I'm not there. So I'm there, but I'm not there. And so we can fool ourselves to thinking that we're so, so, so connected, so committed, and really not be. Come on, God says, listen, love your wife as, as Christ loved the church and, and gave himself for her. Like we can buy into, and the same thing with women. You know, honor your, honor your husband, right? And, and submit to him as the church is submitted to Christ. So we can, you know, we can enter into this. And I'm just saying that you cannot give your best to the church and give your worst to your wife or your worst to your husband. Right. All right. So why did God choose to destroy a whole people? Why would he even do that? That seems like just a harsh God. These people were absolutely wicked. They were absolutely evil. And they were continuing to be a difficult thing for the for the children of Israel to deal with. So he's like, listen, you need to wipe them all out. God maybe has called you. Listen now, maybe he's called you to wipe something completely out of your life. And then because you haven't, now you're moving into a new season. Maybe you're just getting married. And then all of a sudden, because you haven't handled business with your past, now maybe there's an old girlfriend or a couple old girlfriends that are messing with your new relationship because you failed Come on to deal with it when God said you needed to deal with it. I'm telling you this today that to, to obey means to fully obey. Number two is this. Pride 
tries to serve God without surrender, right? I'm telling you this. If nobody's told you this in a long time, God wants your full and complete life all the time. He wants all of your life all the time. He doesn't want to have it just, you know, Friday through Sunday, and then you do the rest of what you want to do, you know, Monday through Thursday. He wants your life all the time, right? He wants all of you. I think it's interesting. One of the battles that Samuel or that Saul had won um, is found in 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 35. Following that battle that he had won, the Bible says this, that, that Saul built an altar to the Lord. And this is the first time that he had done this. And so this was a great thing, right? An altar to the Lord is, a, is an act of worship. Okay, so fast forward just to Samuel chapter 15. This is the other battle whenever he was called to destroy all of the Amalekites, right? This is the battle it's talking about. Samuel went looking for King Saul. He's asking, hey, where's King Saul? Where's, where's Saul? The prophet of God's word, Saul. Oh, man, he's, he's out. I think he was out at Carmel. And, um, and, and, and what was he doing? Come on, he was built. He, he had just built a monument unto himself. You, you know what I mean? So the first battle, he's like, he's like, man, he builds an altar of worship to the Lord. The second battle, he's like, man, I am a warrior king. And so he builds this monument unto himself, come on, to, to worship himself. And, and I just think that's crazy. He had forgotten where he had come from. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but initially when Samuel had the encounter with Saul, come on, Saul was, was very small in his own eyes. Do you know why? Because he was from the tribe of Benjamin. And Benjamin was the smallest tribe of all the 12 tribes in Israel. And so he was like, man, I can't believe that I'm going to be the one that's going to be promoted to king when there's so many more people that are greater than I am. Come on, he forgot how he was promoted. He forgot that God was the one that elevated him. Can I remind you that we do this very thing? God has pulled you out of some sticky situations, some tough times, only to have you forget how you got to where you are. Yeah, I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've prayed with, with people. You know, they're just like, man, God, just heal this situation. Heal my life. Come on, God, just show up. Come on, I will give you all of my life if you will just but rescue me. And then all of a sudden, God does it because he's a good God. Somebody say he's a good God. He's a good God, man. He does it. And then all of a sudden, the promises are broke on the one that received the deliverance. Come on, they're never in church. They're never a part of anything. I, there's several times I've had some, some, some guys that were wanting to launch out into their own business. And so they come to me and they're like, listen, I've got this really great job over here. It's security and benefits and all these things. But God, I, you know, I really want to just work for myself. And, and, and I really feel like when, I, when I'm able to work for myself, man, I'm going to be able to go to the missions field. And I'm going to be able to serve more because of my time and this and that. And they're like, listen, will you pray for me? And so we pray, man, God, we feel like this is this is, you know, what you're doing in the season. This God open every door that needs to be open and shut the ones that need to be shut. And guess what? They step out and their business, you know, flourishes. You know why? Because God's a good God. Go ahead and say that God's a good God. And then all of the sudden you look several years down the down the road. They're not connected to a church. 
They haven't gone on one mission trip. They haven't done. And so, so come on, I'm telling you that, that it is important and vital, come on, that we stay connected to what it was, where we were, and who it was that promoted us, and stay true to the things that we said we were going to do when we were praying those incredible prayers. Man, the, the, the Lord is good, and the Lord is speaking this morning. I hope you are paying attention. Amen. Have you ever noticed after a victory that nobody really goes back and worships God and thanks him for the things that they do? This happens all the time. God delivers. A, come on, you, you take a look at the 10 lepers. All of them were healed. There was like one, I believe, that came back and actually thanked God and began to, began to worship him. I'm telling you this morning, we have to be grateful for the blessings of God. How many of you are grateful? We've got to be grateful for the healing of God. How many of you are, are grateful? we got to be grateful for the deliverance of God. How many are grateful today? Amen? And I'm telling you, when we're grateful, the only response is to worship Him. Worship Him. Thank Him. Open your heart to Him. Recognize where you've come from, what He's brought you out of, what He has done, and say, God, you are good, and you are amazing, because I'm telling you, your worship is warfare. It is an incredible tool that if you don't learn how to use it, it's not going to be any good to you, just like that sidearm that can get you in more trouble. I'm telling you, we got to tear down the monuments that have been built to ourselves and set up an altar of worship. Number three is this. Pride wars against your calling. Pride wars against your calling. You know, most of us, if we were to be honest, we would think of pride as being something external, right? External. It, it, it's something, that, it's that guy that always is looking for an opportunity to take off his shirt because he's got a sweet six pack. It's that girl that never shuts her mouth because she has the answer to everything that is ever being talked about, right? Pride always shows itself externally. But I'm telling you this, that pride also has subtle approaches, Come on, it's not always in arrogance. Sometimes pride shows up in false humility. Ooh, that's a good false humility. Have you ever met somebody that has false humility? You know what I mean? They posture themselves as being somebody that is humble, but yet th there's a sense of something else at work. I, I think it's interesting that the, the man of God, the prophet of God, Samuel, he identified an issue in Saul. He said, although you were once small, in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribe of Israel? I'm telling you this, that, that, that I feel like maybe what he's saying here is that King Saul, he, he, he was using where he had come from as an excuse as to why he wasn't fully obedient. And I just really believe that some of us here deal with the same thing. We're always excusing why. Well, God, you know me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm the knucklehead. I'm the guy that had all the problems. You know, God, you should just be so thankful that I am where I am because I'm so much farther than where I was. And come on, it's almost like a, a weakness, a, a false humility. And I'm telling you this, stop counting yourselves out of the things that God has counted you in. Stop counting yourselves out of the things that God has said, listen, I'm doing a new thing in you. You can't go back to that same excuse any longer. 
I don't feel loved. And God would say, listen, I, I love you so much, I sent my only son to the cross to die for you. Oh, I just don't feel like I'm righteous. He's like, he's like listen, man, I, you are the righteousness of God, of God. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. I'm telling you this, that you can overcome. You can, you can be delivered from your addiction. You can be the parent that you want to be. You can be a better husband. You can be a better wife. Come on, you can start that ministry. Listen, this morning when I was, when I was doing my final touches, I felt like I was supposed to tell somebody that you can go to school. You might be 50 years old and wrestling with the idea of going back to school, but I'm telling you that God told me to say, listen, you can go back to school. You can follow your dreams. You can follow your passions. Come on, you can do things that you've desired to do, but have never taken a step. Come on, to do. Come on, I think about this. I think this, that that King David, the next king after Saul, come on, David honored Saul more than Saul honored himself. Is that powerful? Come on, he wouldn't touch the anointed. Number four, and this is the last one. Number four is this. Pride cares more about appearance than it does character. Pride cares more about your appearance than it does character. I think it's interesting that the prophet, you know, the prophet of God, the man of God confronts Saul. And he says, listen, why didn't you do what God called you to do? And, and, and next thing you know, there's excuses. Well, I, I just wanted to save the king. And we, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to keep the best livestock to, to sacrifice, you know, to the Lord. Excuse, excuse excuse. And I'm just telling you this in verse 30. This is what this is what Saul says. He's like, you know, I, I, I know I've sinned. And, and, and really what he was saying, I know I got caught. But hey, listen, would you go with me? You know, will you come with me and support me in front of the elders of my people? So you see, he was more important of containing. Come on. The, the, he was more focused on containing the sin and looking good in front of his people than he was. Come on, taking a real hard look at what God was, you know, how God was viewing him. He was more concerned with others than than God. And I'm just telling you this. Listen, now I'm closing. Okay, just real quick. Just just give me some some moments here. When you break God's heart, because you will. First of all, you need to know you can break God's heart, right? You can break God's heart. And so when you do, when you come up short, which you will, you will come up short. What is your heart going to look like? Because there's a there's a there's a contrast here. You know, I look at at King Saul and all he did. And then I look at the life of David, which was the next king. And honestly, I think that David's sins, like personally, I feel David's sin. I could be wrong. I'm not God. But I feel that David's sins were worse than King Saul's sins. But this is the deal. When David sinned, what did he do? Man, he fell before the Lord. And he said, God, I have sinned against you and I've sinned against you alone. God, he he said, please, God, forgive me. And he said, please, this is one of the things that I've prayed so many times in my own shortcoming. God, please, and really meant it. God, please do not remove your Holy Spirit from my life, right? And so he fell face before the Lord, immediately said, listen, I am a sinner, God. I need my Savior. I need you. I I can do nothing without you, God, please. And come on, he was restored, right? Psalm 51 and verse 4, he said this, against you and you alone I have sinned, and I have done this evil in your sight. You know what our biggest mistake can be? 
and I think it's the biggest mistake that King Saul made, is when you make a mistake, refuse to admit that you've made a mistake. The best thing that you can do, come on, when you've made a mistake, is say, God, I have failed, and say, God... I am still going to worship you. God, I'm still going to come to you. God, I'm still going to pursue you because you are the only thing that sustains me. You're the only one that's got me to where I am. You're the only one that's going to keep me there. God, I have come short. I have sinned. I have stepped in it. I have messed up. But God, I continue to worship you. And God, whatever it is that you call me to do, come on, I will do. You call me to go, I'll go. You call me to serve, I'll serve. God, I will try my best not to forget, Lord, what it is that you've done in my life. I'll probably come up short again, but my heart is a heart of servitude. God, I love you. My everything belongs to you. I am nothing without you. Please, Lord, do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. If you do, it is certain death. I cannot go back to where I was. I cannot do the things that I used to do. God, I love you. I have come up short. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against other people. But, Lord, I'm praying that you restore me. And, God, I will worship you. I'm telling you, one of the greatest bits of warfare or tools that you have is simply, come on, to worship the Lord. It gets the attention off of yourself, and it places it where it belongs, which is on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And I'm telling you today that God has called you to worship him. He has called you to be a worshiper. Listen, this Christian life, it has to be, it has to be um, lived out, not just when it's convenient. So it needs to be lived out, not conveniently, but it needs to be lived out intentionally every single day. Like if you've gotten out of the habit of waking up and giving God your best and saying, Lord, this day I dedicate to you, I'm asking you to get back into that place of making that declaration and being intentional with the day that God's given you. Because I'm telling you, every day of your life going forward, listen, every day of your life going forward, God is wanting to use you. There's not going to be one day where he says, you know what, take this day off. Go on vacation. Don't even mind me. Like your life belongs to him and every day, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, January, February, March, April, every single day, 2020, 2021, 2022, every day until the end of your days, God is going to use you. Do not rest. Do not sleep. Do not slumber. Get up and be ready to partner with him. Worship him and see what it is that he's going to do. Amen. Praise God. I hope you received the message today. I hope you are listening not just with your ears, but with your heart and your spirit and with your soul. And I hope that the word of the Lord causes you to move differently in your body. God bless you and thank you so much this morning. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.